It's the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends Podcast. I'm Kyle Belanger. Joining me today is one of the greatest post players in women's basketball history, a truly revolutionary player who won a WNBA title, three Olympic gold medals, two as a player, one college championship, um, and that's just the beginning. A 1995 inductee into the Basketball Hall of Fame, she is Ann Donovan. And thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Kyle. Good to be with you. So let me start with this, because it occurs to me, Ann, that of all the incredible accomplishments you had as a player, and, and we're going to talk about many of them in, in the coming minutes, you've reached a point in your career where your accomplishments as a coach are just as impressive. Do you think of yourself as a player who also coached, or are you a coach who also just happened to be a player? That's a question. You know, I think because the playing days are so far uh, in the past, I do think of myself as a coach that plays, uh, because that's been my, you know, the last 20 years of my life. So I think that comes first. And, there, you know, probably the most important accomplishment for me was that gold medal in Beijing as a coach. So I think that comes first for me now. Was that always, was that an easy transition? I, was, I can't imagine that, uh, that being someone who has the playing career that you do to have made that transition easily or or was it is is that click of the switch was it easy to flip for you no not really Kyle I never aspired to be a coach at all uh, and I was content being a player um, overseas and I'd come back to the Olympics and go back overseas and when that kind of abruptly came to an end for health reasons I really was at a loss I wasn't sure what was next for me and at the time I went back to Old Dominion that's where my training grounds were in the off season and I got roped into being a volunteer assistant coach and that was the beginning of a completely different journey and I would say it was immediate it was an immediate passion for it because I could stay involved in the game I felt like I had things to offer uh, the younger kids and um it was a, you know, it was a process. So I was teaching coach for quite a while before I became a head coach. And that first year as a head coach with all the details and everything that comes with being a head coach was a really difficult transition, to be honest. I think those kids who I still stay in touch with from East Carolina um, remind me often how tough I was. Um, so it took me a little while, I think, to balance uh, my coaching style and my coaching philosophy, uh, but certainly was aided because of all the great coaches that I had played for. You know, Pat Summit, Kay Yao, Marianne Stanley, Sue Gunner, uh, the list just goes on and on, and all of those legends were in my mind, uh, and I wanted to combine everything that worked for me as a player uh, and what didn't work for me as a player. And then, excuse me, evolved into a coach that I thought I would like to play for. But it did take me a little while to figure that out. That's remarkable. And now, as a coach, you have seen the women's game, specifically your post position, develop, I would argue, as rapidly as any position in sports through Lobo and Leslie and then into Griner. Can you give me some reason, uh, some sense of the reason why that position took off the way it has over the last 25 years? You know, it is really remarkable when you look at it. Um, you know, back in my playing days, it, it was a very traditional post game. You know, you're back to the basket, Wilt Chamberlain, uh, Kareem Gilgabar, back to the basket, hook shots, you know, power could be power, could be finesse, but mostly initiated with back to the basket. 
And then it evolved into more of a face-up post-game that um, those players wanted to stretch it out a little bit. Uh, some because it was less physical if you stepped away from the basket. Um, and then it became a combination. One of the greatest post players, um, besides the ones you mentioned, Lobo, Lisa Wesley, Lauren Jackson, who I coached in Seattle, you know, had the ability to step out to the three-point line and then go to the rim and do work uh, and handle the pounding inside. But I think it's the athleticism, you know, and the desire by post to not be um, compartmentalized into the paint. Um, and I think what's interesting, though, Kyle, is it's coming back. You know, you're coming back to Brittany Griner and uh, Soviet Fowles and traditional post play again. So we went through some real athletic, um, very fluid-type post players, a European style, if you will. And now we're kind of coming back full circle to having somebody in the paint established in the low post that can dominate down at the rim. Um, so I find that really interesting in the evolution of the women's game. Yeah, it is. I think that's what makes this game so fascinating for all of us is that it never stops evolving, which is why yeah. when I think um, – it is true. And when I think about your recruitment yourself as a player to Old Dominion, it was one of the first of its kind. You were one of the most heavily recruited athletes across the spectrum in the nation. You have more than 250 offers. Now, I think I know the answer, but what was the final straw that pushed you to head to Old Dominion? Well, you know, I, I knew I was a pretty good high school player. And, you know, in high school, when you're 6'6", six, six, um, you can dominate uh, with work. I mean, it's not completely about height. And I had a tremendous high school coach, but I knew there was so much room for growth. And to accomplish the things that I had wanted to accomplish, like gold medals and national championships, I needed to continue to grow and evolve. And Old Dominion won the recruiting war simply because they had an outstanding coach in Marianne Stanley, great X and O mind, very good to this day at developing post play. But they had players like Nancy Lieberman and Inga Nixon um, that were just tremendous players that I knew could push me every day in practice to get to where I wanted to go in my game. And it's remarkable, too, when you think about those Nancy Lieberman and Ann Donovan years, we're talking about the years at the inception of the Women's Final Four. I mean, you, you guys hosted the first two Final Fours. What is it like for Ann Donovan now to watch the Final Four and to just realize that it took 30 years, but the game has the, the game is now being played in the stadiums it should have been played in in 1983? Yeah, you know, I, I do think back, um, Norfolk, Virginia, where Old Dominion is, did a great job, you know, with sellout crowds for those national championships. And it's, it really is about location. Um, we were all impressed, proud, beyond belief that Dallas did such a great job this year with the Women's Final Four. Um, you know, there's been hits and misses in terms of locations. But um, I am proud. Norfolk did a great job back in the day of really drawing people in, and I remember that just the, the passion that we had. But um, again, hit or miss through the years, and it was fantastic to see Dallas this year just on fire for women's basketball. And what a great tournament it was this year as well. Of course, professionally, yeah. 
you had hinted uh, and, and you had mentioned a little while ago that, you know, when you graduated, there were no real domestic pro basketball options. It was go overseas and prepare for the Olympics, which you were very happy to do. Um, that's not to say that uh, 84 and 88 were anything more than true U.S. basketball coming out parties. Can you talk to me? about the difference between 84 in Los Angeles and that gold medal and 88 in Seoul, Korea and that gold medal? Were there differences to those two teams? And, and how would you characterize it all these years later? Yeah, in the history of women's basketball internationally, that was really a significant time. It was uh, The torch was passed from the Soviets to the United States during that time period. Uh, and I'll take you back to the 80 Olympic team where President Carter boycotted those Olympics. Um, and so we didn't get a chance to go try to play for a gold medal. In 84, the Soviet bloc countries boycotted our Olympics in Los Angeles. So there really never was a test. Uh, and yet between the U.S. and the Soviets, on an Olympic stage. So you go back to 1976, where the Soviets won that gold medal. And they were pretty much considered the dominant team all the way through L.A. Uh, in 84, we won, I'll never forget winning that gold medal and going into the media room. And the first question was asked, what would have happened had the Russians been here? Um, so it, you know, diminished in some degree uh, the significance of that medal because our biggest competition wasn't there yet. You know, you go forward two years when we went to the world championships in 1986 uh, that were in Moscow. And it was the first time the U.S. women had beaten the Soviets on that kind of stage. World Championships and Olympic Games are the two most um, important competitions in international basketball. And in 86, we beat them in the World Championships and then also in the Goodwill Games, both of those events in Moscow. So that was the turning of the tide. That's where we took the torch from them. That's where they knew they had to play catch-up. And that's what made 1988 so significant in women's basketball because now it was the Olympic Games. We had taken um, taken the Russians to task twice and been successful. And here we were on the Olympic stage in Korea, and uh, they were gunning for us, obviously. So to walk away with that gold medal, um, with full competition, no boycotted countries, everybody was at the party, um, that was the biggest and most significant um, gold medal. I, I'm sure that I've been a part of. We're speaking with Ann Donovan, of course, the 1995 inductee into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. A couple more questions for you, Ann. And, and I think about everyone being at the party, and that was such a great way to characterize 1988. Because since then, the party for women's basketball has really been raging full speed ahead. When you think about the development of the WNBA just six or seven years later, and the WNBA is a place where you have left your mark, a number of places, you know, winning a, t a title with the Seattle Storm, coaching with the Connecticut Sun. Give us an estimation of how well you think the WNBA has shepherded the game into the 21st century. Yeah, it's, you know, it's remarkable what the WNBA has done. And, you know, I just so much respect and pure love to David Stern, who made it all happen. You know, he gave us the platform. He encouraged NBA owners to get behind us and give us the opportunity. And um, through different leadership, Val Ackerman and um, our current president, we just continue to grow the league. And, you know, it's, it, I think it is societal 
view of women has changed, and there's more respect and more uh, open-mindedness about what women in general can accomplish and achieve. Um, and I think that's reflected in the WNBA. It's a growth process, and we still have a lot of growth. But when you look at the trend through the years, it really is remarkable. It is. I'm encouraged as well. As a fan, I have to say, as a fan, when you think about where the NBA was 20 years into its development versus yeah. where the WNBA is, the WNBA is winning the race. That is a remarkable development they've had. It is. And it's, it really is a good comparison, really. You know, people look at the NBA now and what it is, but where it started is got humble beginnings just like the WNBA did. And our growth is certainly uh, higher than the NBA's was at the same period of time. Right. Again, we have a long way to go, but um, I think we're all of us in the game are very confident of where it's going. Finally, Ann Donovan, what does it mean to be working with the Basketball Hall of Fame at this point in your life and at this point in your career? So much has been done, and yet you still have so much left to contribute. What is it like being a member of the Hall of Fame family? Uh, this is the greatest accomplishment. Um, gives me the most pride of anything in my career. Um, it is a reflection for me of every coach and player that I was blessed to be um, with. And this represents, the Hall of Fame represents just the highest level. And for me, there's nothing greater. There's nothing that makes me prouder. And um, it just is a, it's an amazing accomplishment. And I cannot tell you enough how much um, I hold it dear to my heart. She is one of the greatest post players in basketball history, a truly revolutionary player who's won titles at every level. Her name is Ann Donovan, and Ann, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Kyle. I appreciate you.